We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing esports investment. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. Is all of the information is for educational purposes only. So welcome, guys. Introduce yourselves. Hey, Justin. How are you? This is Dan Bravado, the president of 76 Capital Sports Advisory. And you also have Chris Yortzos on the line. I'm the managing director of esports and gaming for 76 Capital Sports Advisory. Thanks so much, Justin, for having us on. Excited to be here. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on, guys. So, you know, 76 Capital is a sports tech venture capital firm that invests in various startups in the sports tech, esports, and sports betting industries. Some of these investments include streaming platform Maestro, Nerd Street Games, and play-by-play sports broadcasting camps. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, we're excited to be here and excited to be uh, chatting with you about what we're up to over at 76 and hopefully share some good information and intel for your listeners. Yes, awesome. So, you know, to briefly introduce the topic, we're exploring esports investments. So today, many different companies are investing in esports companies and teams and really kind of all products related to the gaming space and esports. These include venture capitalist firms, private equity companies, and even some family offices. So now we know a little bit about some of the companies involved in the space. Dan and Chris, tell us a little about your past experience. 
Yeah, I would love to. I'll, I'll kick that off. So um, I come from the traditional sports world, uh, started my career at a company called Van Wagner Sports and Entertainment, uh, worked in their New York and L.A. offices and then transitioned into the NASCAR world, uh, working at, uh, for International Speedway Corp, who op- owns and operates some of the tracks that NASCAR runs on. Uh, and then transitioned over to the brand side where I worked for Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans on their sports marketing team. Uh, and that was really my first foray into the esports and gaming world. I, I am a gamer myself natively, uh, but did not worked in the business side of the world until about five, six years ago with, with Rocket Mortgage. And so when I was there, I got to work on a number of projects and explored our first sponsorship opportunity in the space and got to travel around. I went to the League of Legends quarterfinals in Chicago and was completely blown away by the pro side of gaming and, and was hooked right then and there. And so uh, spent some time there and then transitioned over to Manchester City back in New York City and uh, worked in their U.S. office and uh, worked a little bit on their EMLS and E-Premier League and also worked on the traditional sponsorship side. And then uh, right around uh, two years ago or so, Chris and I, I, I quit my job full time and we started our agency and got really lucky that our first client was a, a little tiny organization called 100 Thieves. Uh, and we were you know, there at the beginning when there was only a few employees and helped them on their rocket mortgage partnership. Uh, was brought in Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers rocket mortgage StockX was uh, one of their first investors. And we got brought on through his team and introduction from his team. And uh, the, the ball just kept rolling from there. And uh, after, after 100 Thieves, we got to work with Major League Soccer on their EMLS property, worked with um, Bud Light and uh, the Overwatch League through their partnership, through their agency engine shop, who has been a great client of ours. Uh, and most recently moved out to Minneapolis about a year ago to help the Will family invest and, and launch their Call of Duty League franchise, the Minnesota Rocker. So it, it's been quite a run for me and Chris and I have a lot of overlap, but I'll let him give his uh, background pre-working uh, with me with our company. Yeah, as uh, Dan and I met in the L.A. office back in 2012 when we were both working for Van Wagner. Um, had a lot of great memories from that experience. That's where we got our, our start. And then as uh, two, whatever, 22, 23-year-old guys, we had uh, grand plans of building a business together at some point. We ultimately ended up going our two separate ways. I came up to Minnesota to be part of the Vikings new stadium project. Um, ben Wagner was the consultant brought on to sell naming rights, to sell corporate sponsorship, premium sales. So as part of that team. And when we were about 98% sold out, I actually ended up joining the Vikings on the corporate sponsorship team. So much like Dan, I have a, a background in traditional sports, um, was with the Vikings for a number of years, helping with all the fun stuff they went through, new stadium, hosting the Super Bowl, breaking ground on a new practice facility. Um, and then I transitioned to the LA Rams. They were doing some of the same things the Vikings had just done, um, building their own new stadium, developing this massive complex in Hollywood Park. Um, so got to be a part of that experience for a bit and was helping Dan kind of on nights and weekends as I was with the, the LA Rams. And as I was planning a, a return back to Minnesota, um, Dan said, you know, we've, we've had this vision to build a business together. I think now is the right time. And as I kind of looked at the opportunity, realized that, you know, what Dan had been building, you know, the connection with 100 Thieves and Rocket Mortgage and the emerging world of esports, it was something we'd been monitoring for a few years. And it just made a ton of sense for us to dive all in. If we were never if we were going to do it, then we were never going to do it. So it's been a really fruitful journey. Um, we've been building this business for, you know, a, a little while, a little bit over, you know, a year and a half. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Dan mentioned some of the projects we were working on, Major League Soccer with their EMLS series. Um, helping the the Wolf ownership group with Minnesota Rocker and all the fun investments they've made in esports um, over the last couple of years, 
um, doing some brand consulting work. So we've been kind of immersed in the esports world for a few years now. Um, every day, I feel like I learned two times more than I knew the previous day. So it's been awesome. A, you know, quite I a definitely journey, but a, a really love people that really kind of come from this more far. traditional sponsorship part of the sports world. You kind of really understand how to engage with the consumer and what things make sense from like a local standpoint as well as you know more national and even global sponsorships. So you know, I think that's valuable. So, yeah, so you guys kind of keep mentioning 76 Capital. So tell us a little bit about it and what you guys do there and some of the offerings and such. Yeah, so 76 Capital is a sports venture capital firm. They were founded in 1999 by a gentleman named Wayne Kimmel. Wayne is our chairman currently to this day. Uh, and Wayne got his start in venture and has invested in everyone from Grubhub to Nutrisystem and decided uh, a few years back that he was really passionate about where the sports tech world was heading and elected to create a fund exclusively centered around sports and tech, uh, which is the current iteration of 76 Capital that, uh, that the fund is in now. Um, and investments ranging from Nerd Street Gamers to Wine Library to Maestro, as you mentioned. So there, there's been a ton in the space. And, and as they continue to grow and, and become kind of a luminary in the field of, of where the sports tech world was going from an investment standpoint, Everyone kept calling them saying, hey, Wayne and team, can you help us with this? Hey, can you help us with this? And Wayne said, you know, we're a venture capital firm. We're not a consulting firm. And then he said, wait a minute, maybe we are a consulting firm. And so 76 birthed this idea of building a consulting firm, which is 76 Capital Sports Advisory, in conjunction with their venture capital firm. And so during this time when they kind of put this pen to paper and had the idea, they reached out to us and we had met 76 a few years back just from, you know, being in similar industries and uh, me originally from Philadelphia and 76 being based in Philly uh, just had some mutual connections. And they reached out and, and asked if we wanted to be involved. And we thought this was an amazing opportunity for us as Chris and I look to grow and continue to expand our business. 76 seemed like the perfect partner. And the reason we believe that to be true is. 76 has what we call a 30,000 foot view of the industry. They have a vision. They see where esports and gaming is going. They see where sports betting is going. They see where all of these other parts of sports and tech are headed. And we are the boots on the ground. We see where it's going in the immediate sense. We know what's happening, what people want to hear, what they want to see. Uh, and we thought it was the perfect marriage for us to partner up and talk more and be really the, the foremost advisors in the space when it comes to what we call the emerging areas of sports and tech. And so we partnered up with them about three months ago, and we went live almost two months ago, as crazy as that sounds, with our 76 Capital Sports Advisory focus on advising um, potential clients from teams and leagues to team owners, high net worth individuals, on, on what might be out there in some of these emerging areas of sports. Wow, okay, so that's amazing. So what do you think some of the kind of keys to success and what makes your approach unique and why you feel like you guys are positioned to really understand the space better than some of the other people in it? Yeah, I think we have a unique position in, in as I mentioned before, that combination of the, you know, when you're deploying millions of dollars of capital investments, you must, or we would hope that you have a pretty good knowledge base of what's going to happen in the future, where the space is headed. And so that, that vision on the capital side of our business combined with what Chris and I and, and our other managing directors of each, of each vertical have done um, 
is just so invaluable. And, you know, you see a lot of consulting organizations that may have a ubiquitous consultant that oversees everything from, oh, we're trying to do a stadium naming rights. Oh, we're going to buy a sports team. Oh, we're going to do this. And it may be the same person or the same team, regardless of that. And our vision is to be broad, is to really understand and dig deep in each of our things and have a broad base of where we can go across the sports landscape. So, for example, our head of sports betting was a general counsel of, of Rivers Casino in Philadelphia, <laughs> formerly Sugarhouse. And so Evan Davis is his name. Evan fully understands what's going on from a legalization legislation standpoint. He understands how a casino and an operator actually function. He understands how to implement sports betting. And that's kind of the value that we see is just tremendous is to have what Evan knows combined with what Wayne knows, combined with what we know on the sports side, and really marrying that together to be the foremost experts across the board uh, in some of these lesser known or emerging spaces. And, you know, I, I, Chris, I don't know if you have anything to add there, but that's kind of my, my thought process or my elevator pitch on why I think we're, we're uh, up in contention for one of the best. Yeah, I, I do have a couple things to add. I think kind of expanding on what Dan just mentioned, you know, you look at the hierarchy of how we're structured, you've got Wayne who sits at the top, Dan's the president of the advisory. We have four vertical leaders underneath Dan, myself on the esports side. Dan mentioned Evan on the sports betting side. You have Joanne Pasternak on the social responsibility side. She's done some incredible things in her career, um, including working with Colin Kaepernick on some of um, the things that have been going on the last five years. And then Rick Alessandri and Michael Schreiber on the new media side. So you have each of these four vertical leaders who are part of their own vertical. And then sitting directly underneath that, we have what we're calling and an alliance network. And basically what this is, is we've tapped various professionals, experts in their own particular field, so that if and when we do win business, um, we have folks sitting underneath each of the vertical leaders who is a, a particular expert in their own industry, and they can lend a hand. So for example, if if I'm working on a project that tangentially touches collegiate esports, for example, there are a few folks that we can tap in, bring them into you know certain projects that we win related to college esports, so that we have this level of expertise that's you know a little deeper than maybe some other organizations have. You know, we Dan has this great analogy. You know, if you think of it of a construction site, you know, we're project managers. We bring folks together who are are experts in their own particular field, and when we win these projects, we can then. Um, you know, leverage these folks to bring them into to certain things to make sure that we're delivering for our clients. So the, I think the Alliance Network is something that's a huge value add to a lot of the, the partners and prospects that we're working with. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the way to approach business and the way that I kind of, you know, approach most of my things. How do I bring my network of like-minded people that are doing great things into other things? And how do we connect the dots? And realistically, everyone kind of wins when you're bringing the same attitude and the same hustle together for the same purpose. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. 
Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonus today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, yeah, you know, I know that we kind of talked a little bit about what you were doing with the Minnesota Call of Duty team. So why don't you kind of go a little bit more in detail with some of the stuff you're doing in the esports and gaming space and kind of give us a little bit sneak peek on that yeah i think from from uh the venture capital side of the business we're looking at what we call the picks and axes of esports and gaming nerd street gamers is one of our most proud investments and nerd street has really made a name for themselves and been growing tremendously in what they're doing and nerd streets uh highly focused on the infrastructure side of esports you know whether fall guys is the most popular title or Call of Duty, uh, Cold War is the biggest title, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter because what they do is, is agnostic. And I think that's a beautiful thing when you're thinking of a long-term investment in the space is having something that can exist regardless of what's popular. I think one of my favorite things in the gaming space is, is the kind of ebbs and flows and these, these fall guys or the among us that come out of nowhere and, and people are like, where did this game come from? How do we get involved? And the beauty of the picks and access sides of the gaming business is it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter to um, NVIDIA or to PlayStation Just the widget. what the popular game is. Yeah, it, it's, it's whatever. Pe- as long as people are engaged in playing, that's what matters. And so from our standpoint on, on the venture capital side, that, that's kind of our, our mentality and looking to invest in businesses that are really looking to grow and, and kind of look at the space holistically. And then I'll let Chris talk a little bit about the advisory side of how we, how we are uh, looking at the gaming space. Yeah, I can I can add to that. So, Justin, I think for us, you know, Dan and I, we have a unique background in that we come from the world of traditional sports. We understand the business landscape, how revenue is generated um, on that side. A lot of folks who've been rooted in esports over the last fifteen years, they've they've built their businesses as gamers first, um, and sometimes business comes second. But for us, we really understand from the sports angle how teams, how organizations, how leagues generate revenue. And I think that that's something that we can lend our expertise to the fold is educating some of those folks who are gamers first on the business side. On the flip side of that, there are folks who have been rooted in traditional sports, maybe big brands, agencies, team owners, league owners who want to get involved in esports somehow. They just simply don't have any idea where to start. I think there's been a lot of money that's been poured into that space. Some of them have been very sound investments. Others um, have not been as fruitful. And I think for us, given the network that we have with the capital folks, the guys who've been rooted in the space for many, many years, you know, we can combine forces and help those who understand esports but don't understand traditional sports and vice versa, kind of sit right in the middle and help um, bring brands into the space, bring stakeholders into the space in an endemic way where their money is being spent appropriately, where it's a value add to the overall industry. The last thing we want to see is for someone to get involved, have a bad experience and never come back again. So how do we help educate them 
on the current opportunities, how they can best make their investments, um, whether it's a sponsorship, whether it's purchasing a team, whether it's aligning your brand to fit esports. We want to help be those project managers for our stakeholders so that they're making the right decisions as they transition into the space. So you know, I know you kind of mentioned a lot having to do with, you know, the sports background, the sports business world. And you know, I kind of come from, you know, the entertainment and music world predominantly, but definitely a lot of sports as well. And I always kind of there's kind of this internal struggle within the industry. The more traditional esports and gaming people have been there through and through. Do you think that there's really this X to X, Apple to Apple kind of thing? Okay, this works in sports. This is how sports marketing do it. This is how they sell ticket sales. This is how they do things that it necessarily really just translates directly to esports. You know, I've kind of noticed that the way you look at a brand or a record label or a management company or an artist is the kind of the same way you look at a musician and the way you approach how you build them and how you do activations and the way you integrate what makes them unique. So I just kind of want to see how you feel about, you know, do you think that this music and the way you approach that is similar or is it really just the sports, the traditional sports business mentality? Yeah, yeah I, I think. Good, Chris. Done. I was just going to say, on from, from my perspective, I think the sports industry um, I, I don't think it's apples to apples to esports. Personally, I think you know in the sports industry you have uh, we, we've talked about this before, but you have a ton of media money. You know, take the NFL for example. You have NFL, you have CBS, Fox, NBC, ESPN who are paying a boatload for rights, and you know there's a rev share where each of the team gets a certain percentage, um, and they make a ton of money off of that. That doesn't really exist in esports, and and the same can be said for ticket sales, right? Just using the Minnesota Vikings just because they're in our backyard. For their preseason game, you know, they can draw anywhere from, you know, 30,000 to 70,000 people for a preseason game. You're not going to see that for most esports events. So you don't have the same type of ticket sales revenue that you would see in traditional sports. Sponsorship's an area that's interesting because either are, that's how the industry has been substantiated thus far, at least from an esports perspective. But those those dollar figures aren't correlative to what you see in the big four sports. So I think you know, the way that esports organizations, leagues, teams are going to find success is through sponsorship, but it's a, it's a slow approach, right? You have a lot of these blue chip brands um, who are still observing the space. You have a few folks who are endemic, you know, your peripheral partners, your chair partners who've been rooted in the space for many years. They may not carry the same level of budgets as, you know, some of these massive uh, categories that are spending in traditional sports. But I do think that that will, you know, as, as esports continues to become more and more mainstream, you're going to see those sponsorship dollars um, rise. But you have to think about it differently, right? Like these organizations, you know, you, you may buy a Call of Duty franchise for X amounts of millions of dollars. If you bought an NBA franchise back in the 80s, it was worth 50 million. Now it's worth, you know, many multiples of 50 million. I think a lot of these owners are thinking about it the right way. But when it comes from a monetization standpoint, it's very, very different um, than what you would see in traditional sports. Yeah, I agree with Chris. And I think to, to kind of sum it up is, you have to look at the business holistically and there are corollaries you can pull from sports. There are corollaries you can pull from music, entertainment, whatever it may be, but gaming is its own beast. And, and you'd be foolish to not pay attention to the history of gaming and people who have been in it for an elongated period of time. I know that, you know, I talk to some clients and they say, Oh, Dan's OG. He's been doing it for five years. And I look at folks who've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. And I say, they're the OGs. I'm, I'm a newer guy, right? Yeah, and so, I, I agree with that. It's like, yeah, like we didn't just jump in yesterday or two days ago yeah. like a lot of people, but we haven't been around for 
you know, the direct TV and those kind of days either. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And history is a giant. And if you aren't cautious with it, it can crush you. And I think, you know, you have to look back on history positively and you have to understand what you can learn from it. So I think absolutely. I think it's a combination of, of you know, sports, entertainment, everything else. And, and But it's its own unique thing. So I think you can learn a lot uh, from each of these verticals. But at the same time, uh, it's not one size is not going to fit all. And then on your next question, the entertainment music industry, I can't remember who I can credit this to. Um, but we'll, I'll, I'll say it's you just for uh, topical nature. Someone told me a few years ago that the esports and gaming world is far more similar to the music and entertainment industry than it is to the sports industry. And it really, I really thought about it. I said, that's a really fascinating comparison because, and I, I am not a music expert uh, like you are, but you know, when you look at an artist, right, it doesn't matter what label they're on. I don't care if they're on, you know, Rockefeller Capital, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. It matters who the artist is. And I think that's really interesting in the gaming space that you have these influencers and streamers. I think it's more applicable to the influencer and streamer side than it is to the uh, pro CDL, OWL, uh, LOL side of things. But when you look at a streamer, I don't care if, you know, Booga is on Sentinels. I don't care if, you know, uh, Ninja was on Luminosity. It doesn't matter to me. I care about that person as an artist, as a creator. And so that really opened my eyes. And I, I've made a, uh, an effort to try to understand more about the entertainment and music side of the business because musicians and, and, and artists are, are creators at heart, right? Just like gamers and streamers are creators. And I think that, that that really opens up an interesting perspective when you look at who these people are rather than comparing them to your starting first baseman for the New York Yankees or your starting quarterback for the uh, Patriots. It's a very different world, and I think it correlates much nicer to the entertainment world. That You hit it on the head right there. I'm not even going to add to your answer because you got it. That That's really kind of the way that I think you have to approach it, that it – is really this hybrid of running a team kind of trying to have the similar things with franchise and merchandise and in-game merchandise and, you know, that structure while also kind of featuring the diva and the sports, the superstar in a way that you might not usually feature them as you would Derek Jeter for the Yankees, you know, Peyton Manning for the, you just, you just kind of don't build your team and operate around them the same way. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And that's the first time I ever got an answer right that someone told me they didn't need to follow up. So I guess I'm getting better at this or you're just a nice guy, one or the other. I go with both, but I definitely think that you guys are really understanding what's going on here. And, you know, the next kind of thing I'm looking at is, so how does the whole funding process work? Do you kind of approach projects that you like or do people kind of seek you out and be like, okay, I want to work with these guys because I saw them doing X, Y, Z? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak on the on the venture side, and I'll let Chris chat on the advisory side. So on the venture side, there's a lot of money out there right now on the venture capital side. And we're, we're seeing over 150 deals a month from a deal flow standpoint, not limited to just esports and gaming, but in the sports tech space. And so we're vetting out a lot of opportunities, and there are some that are really great. There are some that are, you know, still need a little more time in the oven and so forth and so on. And it really runs the gamut. But from a funding standpoint, there's a lot of money out there. And I think there's, there's good money, there's bad money, there's people who have made great investments, there's people who have made poor investments. But where we think we sit really nicely is in the venture world, you can find money, right? There's a lot of firms out there that are offering money, but what value add can they bring to your firm? And that's something that at 76 we're very focused on is doing business with the right people. Are you a founder that is a snake and may build a $5 billion company, but you know is going to 
trust people in his way, honestly, he or she is probably not the person that we want to be in business with, even though that they might have a ton of successes because we're focused on doing, pe- doing business with the right people and doing it the right way. And so for us, our, our value add is our connections in the landscape. I mean, between what the advisory does and between our partners who have experience from, you know, our general partner was uh, SVP at NBC Universal launching Hulu and was chief content officer for Altice and folks like that who, who just really can make the right introductions. Because a lot of the time when you're, when you're building a startup, it's, it's not necessarily the idea and it's not necessarily the, the work. It, it's, there, are, there are plenty of hardworking founders who are working, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But they just may not be able to get that connection to the CEO of MGM or to the CEO of Comcast. But, you know, that's a, those are doors that we can open as 76. So uh, I think from a funding standpoint, I would say that's kind of our point of differentiation in, in, in good ways and bad ways. Right. Like they're, they're the people we want to do business with who are good people and also the connections that we can make. So our fund is highly focused on people and individuals and doing the right thing. So. If you're one of those folks, uh, feel free to reach out. We'd love to have the conversation. I'll, I'll let Chris handle the advisory side of that combo. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to more so the the esports side of the advisory. You know, in, in terms of how we look at projects, and I think there's just a really big opportunity, Justin. Like we talked about before, with you know a lot of folks who are who are looking at the space more holistically. They see, especially with the pandemic, that. Um, digital overall is going up. That esports is becoming more mainstream. That casual gaming is is increasing, and a lot of these stakeholders are really interested in getting involved. And quite frankly, many of them, like I said before, they're still they're still learning the space. There's still a lot of education that takes place. And I think for us, whether it's helping a brand that has been spending a ton of time in traditional sports, or perhaps one that hasn't spent a lot of time in traditional sports, but is eager to get involved in esports, we can leverage our network. We can bring our expertise to the table and provide them with at least a little bit of education so that they can make the best informed possible decision. And like I said before, you know, we've, I've, I've told you my background, Dan has his as well. And, you know, we have roots in the traditional sports space, but this Alliance network really does provide us with an ability to leverage a bunch of folks who have very diverse backgrounds so that when we are talking to people who are interested in looking at one particular sector of esports, whether it's down at the high school level, the, the collegiate level, whether it's getting involved with a professional organization, or quite frankly, whether they're looking to do something with influencers, we have folks in our network that we can bring to the table who can speak knowledgeably on that subject so that we're providing this, I don't want to say one-stop shop approach to solving their problems, but we can at least help guide them in the right direction. Exactly. And I, the yeah, wonderful exactly. people like me, you know? Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. And I think that's a that's a point of differentiation for us. You know, it's for me and Dan, you know, it was it was one thing when you had two guys from some company that not many people had heard of. It's another when you have the backing of the folks at 76 and their their vast network and um, these portfolio companies that they've had a ton of experience helping to guide. And I think when we're able to showcase that kind of value to, you know, prospects and and partners and quite frankly, just people who are looking for guidance in the space, we're 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 trying to help as many people as we can enter the space in as an, an endemic and authentic way as possible. Because as you know, the esports audience, they're very finicky. And if you do it the wrong way, it's going to be hard for your brand to overcome that in the future. So we want to make sure that we guide them in the best possible way so that they, you know, they, they hit a, to use, a, to use another sports cliche, to hit a home run when they enter the space. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, the big thing that on my podcast, we kind of hit over the head. It's all about the authenticity and doing it the right way because, that's how you really succeed in this gaming and meme internet driven world where you say the wrong thing and it lives with you forever and ever and ever. Yep, exactly. So, you know, I, 
noticed some other really interesting things that you guys are doing over there. So what's the athlete venture group? You know, why was that formed? And is it just for traditional athletes or can, you know, gamers and streamers get involved as well? Yeah, I think the, the athlete venture group is, is something that, that uh, is somewhat unique to us and that, that we're really proud of is it's, it's our relationship with pro athletes in getting them kind of what comes next post-career, right? And, and you know, one of our original partners was Ryan Howard, the old Phillies first baseman, uh, and him and his relationship with Wayne Kimmel, our chairman, was kind of what kicked off this athlete venture group because, you know, folks like, like Brian Westbrook and, and, um, and um, Ryan Howard and Ralph Sampson, these guys, they have an interest in the business side of what they do. Yes, they're professional athletes or were professional athletes, but that doesn't mean they're a one-trick pony. And I think the Athlete Venture Group is an excellent opportunity for professional athletes to get involved in, in the venture world and in the business side of what comes next and what, what, what is the next step for them. And additionally, as we talk about a lot, is in the sports and, and evolving social media and influencer landscape, athletes and, and, and creators, artists are some of the most influential people. And so not only can they provide value as individuals because they're intelligent people, they have a lot of great experiences. They can also provide value as influencers. And as you're starting a company, having, you know, Ryan Howard on your board and, and as an investor or having, you know, whoever it may be on your board or as an investor, I think is something that's really valuable, not just for the name, but also for their expertise and knowledge. And so our athlete venture group is about getting athletes involved at an early age, whether that's while they're still proing, playing pro or when they're just after, to get them involved and, and allow them to invest and also be a part of what we're building and we look to it as an opportunity for them to come in, come, well, not now, but come sit in our office, spend time with us, learn. Uh, we're happy to teach and educate. We're, we're even more happy to learn and, and, and be taught by you guys. And um, it, it's traditionally been mostly your stick and ball athletes. We have not brought on an esports athlete, but we're hoping we are, we are fundraising for fun too. And we are hoping that that changes here shortly, that we'll have some esports athletes on board. Um, and we would love to, to bring on some folks and help them uh, learn the space, learn from them, and then also uh, hopefully make them a lot of money down the road. Awesome. So how does it kind of work? Are the athletes like really involved in the day-to-day of the companies they're involved in, or does yeah, it kind of vary? It's up to them, right? So, you know, athletes, just like everyone else, are, are busy people. So we allow our athletes to be as involved or as minimally involved as they want to be. So if it's someone who wants to sit in the office every day, and again, the office being virtual at this current juncture, uh, come on down, spend time with us, learn with us, let us learn from you. And I think that's something that, that it depends on the athlete. And from a company and a portfolio standpoint, some portfolio companies want a lot of involvement, some don't. Uh, it, it all depends on the founder and, the, and their board as an organization. And we're as happy to be as involved. We have, you know, we have uh, portfolio companies that we talk to their founders every single day. And we work with them every single day. We have some that say, hey, you know, let us do our thing. We have a vision. And that's great, too. So it, it very much depends on what the vision is for the founder, but also what the athlete uh, kind of wants to do. Uh, you know, we're happy to have them in the office every day or, or have them, you know, check in once a month or have them never come by and, and just put in an investment. I, I think I'd prefer the, the former rather than the latter. We'd like to get them as involved as possible and, and leverage their expertise and, and help teach them. Or, you know, it, it is truly up to them, but I, I would definitely prefer the former rather than the latter. Awesome. So, you know, I want to kind of wrap everything up with everything. So what's kind of the future of 76 Capital and where is the esports and gaming division going? 
this is uh, Chris's favorite topic, so I'll let him uh, <laughs> run with this one. Um, I I think that gaming as a whole is it's it just intrigues me to no end, and the reason I say that is because usually when new technology comes out, it's the gaming audience, it's the companies that are rooted in there that are either creating this technology or at least the first adopters. And you know, I think Justin, one of the things that we talked about before that's really exciting to me are, are ways that folks who have a gaming background, but aren't necessarily gamers from day one, how they're getting involved in the space. And one of the things that I, I like to reference is, you know, look at what Travis Scott did in Fortnite over the summer. And he had however many millions of people tune into a digital concert. And he ended up selling, I think they ended up selling something like $12.5 million of merchandise um, through digital skins that were offered in Fortnite for your, for your individual. And it's just, that's an amazing case study of how a concert can blend the real person event with a digital event and still be able to engage a massive audience with, you know, a ton of revenue generating opportunities as well. And for minimal you know, for the cost, the exactly. to do that were like negligible at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, another really interesting thing, and we don't have enough time to talk about it here, but is to observe what's been going on um, between Apple, between Epic, you know, and Google getting into the mix as well. And, you know, I, I think that I'm a big believer of what um, Epic's founder, you know, CEO, Tim Sweeney, is what his vision is. And he wants to to really lower the barrier of entry for developers to create games um, so that they're not forking over 30% of profits to, you know, folks like Apple. He wants to be able to create this universe where people are, are free to create as many games as possible to build this digital ecosystem that is inclusive of everyone. And I think maybe not in our lifetime, maybe in our lifetime, but, you know, when you start introducing concepts like the metaverse, it's just that's something that to me is so fascinating is not going to be created by one particular entity. But if we have more people like the Tim Sweeney's of the world who are going to get more and more involved, I think that the metaverse becomes even more of a reality. And for me, the exciting possibilities there, you start to see it with, you know, just take a look at what Call of Duty has done with its Battle Royale game Warzone, you know, that debuted whatever it was many, many months ago at this point. But you have this massive universe of people, you know, 150 people who all jump down into a battle royale format. And it's just this whole new world. And for us, you know, for me and Dan, we game with a few folks, you know, a guy in Philly and a guy in Chicago. Um, and that's become our, our way to connect socially over the last few months with these guys, catch up with their family, see how they're doing. Um, and just the, the level of being able to blend in person with digital experiences and gaming is always the first adopter of this new technology is something I'm fascinated by. So I think that that's something we're certainly observing. And I think as, you know, as technology continues to improve, as these worlds continue to be um, developed and grown based on the creativity that these folks are exhibiting, I think that that just is a, a whole blue ocean of opportunity for us. And I think it's something that we as a company are certainly observing. Um, maybe there's no direct call to action for us at this particular time, but I'm just fascinated by that overall um, development. Really excited to see where it goes. You know, I'm really excited. Kind of- out there for you. No, I mean, I think that was great. And, you know, it really kind of brought me to, you know, my last kind of questions. So I'll ask each of you this. So what are your favorite games to watch, knowing that you guys sound like you guys definitely enjoy gaming? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Call of Duty fan, um, as you could probably hear from my Warzone reference. And obviously, our, our time with Minnesota Rocker, we got close with some of the players on the team. And it's it's great. I mean, I think CDL did a really amazing job in year one. Um, you know, pivoting from in-person events that were successful to the online format. Um, for me, following the storylines of the players switching teams, you know, you had Dallas Empire win, um, win champs, whatever it was, a week, two weeks ago. 
And, you know, immediately thereafter, one of their top guys had to be cut because the league is moving from 5v5 to 4v4. And watching the storylines unfold of who's going to get cut, why they chose this person, where he's going to go next. To me, that's those are the same storylines that kept me glued to the TV when I was growing up watching traditional sports. And I think the more you have these leagues enter the mainstream, the more there are opportunities for fans to engage with their favorite teams, their favorite players, for there to be some controversy, for people to talk about. You know, uh, I think that that's really compelling. I think CDL has done a really good job. I'm really excited to see what, what happens in year two. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm guilty of being a, a war zone addict myself as well. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of, of what, they've, what they've been doing with Warzone. Uh, I would say that uh, Teep Tyler is one of my favorite folks to watch. Uh, so I watch a lot of what he's doing. But I'm also kind of a sucker for, for what's new in the space. You know, I've been watching a lot of uh, Fall Guys, a lot of Among Us. Uh, I, I kind of like being part of the zeitgeist and following what's been happening and what's going on. So the pop uh, I would culture say, of esports, yeah. right? It's like the TMZ of esports now. You got to know it, and also in what we're doing, like it's kind of one of those things. If you're not looking ahead, you're getting left behind. So for us, I, I went and you know I went over a couple of our buddies who are in the CDL and went over to their place and, and played some Among Us with them because I had never played. And I was like, I got to learn this game, and so uh, made the trek over, masks and all, and, and hung out with them for a little bit and and got to play and got to understand. And it's it's really cool to just you know see what's coming. And for me, there there's a reason some of these games are getting so much hype. And and you know I want to be a part of it and I want to learn it. So uh, I would say to sum it up, Warzone's my one, but but I I am into the hot and new thing and always checking out what's going on in the space okay so you know what are you guys favorite games to play well that's an easy one i mean i think warzone is our one <laughs> we, we've been highly addicted i mean all i'll say is don't don't check out my hours played if you're going to check out my profile because uh, that'll that'll scare the hell, hell out of you uh but uh I, I play a lot of overwatch i'm a big overwatch fan um i've been playing that for a number of years um and, and you know I, I like hearthstone quite a bit as well so i'm a little all over the place but fps is definitely my my number one yeah i i'm certainly a, a warzone fan i i do like um the regular multiplayer mode for call of duty quite a bit as well i get made fun of that for my friend groups because they all think i should be playing warzone instead but i ride for uh for multiplayer I also I have a five year old daughter and I've gotten her into Fall Guys a little bit. And obviously Fall Guys has had this massive social groundswell over the last couple of weeks. It's been fun to watch, you know, folks like Tim the Tapman finally overcome the hurdles of never being able to win. But that's a good that's a really easy game for a five year old to understand. And, you know, I, I love the fact that I get to play with her, you know, after she after I pick her up from daycare and whatnot. And we get to have this moment connecting over gaming and introduce her to it. And hopefully I can curtail the hours so that she's not spending as many hours as Dan and I may spend playing Warzone on playing Fall Guys. But it's a good it's a good fun game for us to connect over. And then on the other side, I'm I, I'm a sucker for traditional sports games as well. I love FIFA. I love 2K. I played the show this past year. So um, I'm a big fan of the traditional sports migrating into the esports space as well. So that, that pretty much sums up my experience there. I'm itching to get back on 2K. I I loaded up this morning so I could I got Let's one go. game in before the day. But <laughs> you know it's like okay I'm gonna do this, do a few other things, and it's like it's the weekend and it's really about grinding some badges. <laughs> I love it, love it. Um, so you know my last question is so who's your favorite video game character? You know Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. Um, you know who you who you rock with? Oh, that's tough. Uh, I think you, you don't know what I look like, but aesthetically speaking, I, I put myself in the Donkey Kong category and I'm a, 
a DKOG. So I, I would have to go with Donkey Kong. I mean, I've been playing since Nintendo 64 and, and uh, you know, use them in Smash. And so I, I would say that uh, I'm going with DK. Man, that is a really good question. I've actually never been asked that before. You're going to put me on the spot. I don't know that I have a favorite. You know, you know, look, I, I'm a very easy guy. We, you don't have to <laughs> select one. Um, I would probably say, oh boy, oh boy, this is tough. Who's your Matt? You know, we can go. Who's your Mario Kart? Your Smash Brother go to? You know, we can give I you a mean, little variation. Mario is just the go to. I feel, I feel like it's such a cop out to go that route, but I'll say Mario. I mean, Mario's but, awesome. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to an icon. <laughs> Now, right. now I feel like I got to swap up. I no, mean, I like the Donkey Kong one. That, that's even more. That's just like that's on the same level as Mario. So I mean, um, I was a I was a huge Solid Snake guy back in the day with Metal Gear back on PlayStation. So I, I I'll be my my one my one B. Maybe okay. you know maybe I'll switch and I'll say Sonic. I was I was a big Game Gear guy back in the day, and Sonic still has a he still got a, a special place in my heart. Okay, awesome. So you know this was amazing. You know, thank you guys so much for joining me. This was extremely insightful so where can everyone find you where can we learn a bit more about what you guys are doing twitter i've been trying to trying to be more active on twitter i'm at d bravado so feel free could use the follow so feel free to check me out there and follow back army over here follow back army no doubt about that i need i'll take what i can get and uh our website as well uh, 76 capital sports advisor 76 capital.com slash advisory yeah, and you can, if you're looking for my Twitter handle, you can just follow any of Dan's, any of the people that are liking Dan's. I'm usually one of about four. So I'm in that in that little space there. I oh, wish I was getting four. I'll take, I'll take that all day. <laughs> okay, we'll give you the one and a half average. I understand how it goes. Um, so, you know, thank you guys for joining again. And thanks, everybody, again for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin, J-E-S-Q. And check Apple Podcasts for all past episodes.